righty then. Welcome back, everybody, for hour number two of Christian Worldview with Dr. Tony Beam. We're really glad to have you listening to the show. And we're ready to uh, get started here with hour number two. This is Tony Beam, Director of Church and Community Engagement for the Tim Brazier Campus of North Greenville University, where Christ makes the difference and where we are equipping transformational leaders for the church and for society. I also serve as Director of Public Policy for the South Carolina Baptist Convention, and I'm currently interim pastor at Five Forks Baptist Church over in Simpsonville. All right, we want to start hour number two welcoming a guest today. Chris Rondo is the um, area director for Man in the Mirror Ministries. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, it's an incredible um, ministry for men that has made a difference in a lot of men's lives. I know Tony uh, Smith from over at Impact uh, went to a conference, came back, started a, a men pact is what they call it at Impact Church over in Spartanburg, ministry that is already having an effect on a lot of men's lives. They're going to be participating this weekend in an event at Crossroads Baptist Church uh, that I'm also going to participate in, so looking forward to it. Chris, welcome to the program. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit about Man in the Mirror. Tell us how it got started, what the philosophy is for men, and why it's having such an impact as far as reaching men and discipling them. Sure. Uh, a lot of people will probably probably be familiar with the Man in the Mirror book, which came out in the late 80s. Right. And Dr. Pat Morley wrote that book because he realized that he saw his father and his grandfather. They went to church for a while, and then they disappeared. And he wanted to figure out why. And what he realized in his research and just relationship with his parents was the church made those two men busy with doing Christian-like things, but they failed to disciple them to lead their families to Christ. And when you say disciple, let's break that down a little bit. We're talking about the, the proper knowledge and application of biblical truth. Would that be a good way to put it? That is correct. Yeah. That is very correct. Yeah. Well, And, and the thing about that is it's not that the church— sits down and makes a decision to not disciple, it, it's that discipleship doesn't take place because in its place is, like you said, a lot of activities the church is involved in to outreach, to do things for others, for the community, and so forth. But the, the time is not spent in a lot of churches to make sure that the people that are coming to church are properly prepared for those activities. Right. Take it all the way to, to the book of James. It's faith and works. If you have faith in Christ, you will live out those acts of Christianity to those around you. But it's having that personal walk with Christ to understanding who he is, what he did for you, and giving your life in return to him in service to bring Christ to the community. You know, it's amazing. I, I actually uh, preached about this last night or taught on it at uh, Five Forks because they mm -hmm. have, have a Sunday night service that people gather for. And I was talking about that passage from James chapter 2 that, that talks about faith and works. And one of the things that James points out is that evidence of false faith, that is faith that doesn't produce works, is false compassion. Right. So in other words, you, he gives the example of somebody, if you see them cold and hungry and simply say to them, go be warm and well fed, right. then that's, that's evidence of a faith that hasn't produced any good works. Correct. Yeah. Very, very much so. Yeah. So man in the mirror is designed to get men to focus on learning together what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I think the, um, the, the together part of that is important. It is. It is. And that we, th we believe that if 
with if you have a Bible, a small group, and serving someone else will solve 90% of your problems. Mm-hmm. It's understanding the truth of what we believe about Christ, how to live it out, and have men to share your struggles with, your burdens with, just like the 12 did, mm-hmm. just like Jesus promoted with his small ministry that started from 12 people. Right. If you can get men together to share honestly, to guide each other deeper in Scripture, you build relationships. And that's what we call Create, Capture, Sustain, which has been something that was great at Impact Community Church last year, is you had a, a man who was passionate about reaching men to grow their men, to lead in their their environments at home, at work, and in the community. So their church already had four planned family events over the summer. All I did was show them what we call create, capture, sustain. Create is those four events. How do you capture the men that come to those events? I thought one of the intriguing things was when they had the... Uh, the cornhole tournament, you could have a team, but you had to bring somebody who was unchurched or not part of Impact Community Church. Right. So they were able to bring guests, have a fun activity to share with them the hope of what their men's ministry was all about. A month later, they had a men's barbecue, and then they started a men's conference, uh, a, uh, a men's study a month later. And they went from having no small groups of men to having 24 men meeting on a Saturday morning. Right. And that's fantastic to go from nothing to something. And dare I say, it's not what I did. It's what God put in this man, Tony, the passion to reach others for the gospel. But if you can give a man what he needs, which is the gospel, in the context of what he wants, that's the same reason that 80,000 people put on orange every Saturday or or they put on garnet and black. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. So why not make it the kingdom of God instead? Absolutely. Get the energy behind drawing God people to God's kingdom. Sunday morning is just the, the, the cherry on top for the other six days of the week. Yeah, and if you're a Cowboys fan, it's a lot less frustrating to be involved in the kingdom of God. There's I can no, just tell you. There's but, no mountaintops so there. That, that's right. <laughs> uh, it's, all the, it's all valley, all valley. Um, so, uh, it, so Man in the Mirror gives men the tools that they need to help other men to move toward discipleship. Yes, we have an intentional process that we call the No Man Left Behind, which is to build a leadership structure underneath the pastor. The pastor cannot do everything, so we get a lay leadership team that can be the tip of the spear for that church to reach men through all of their activities. Now, you've partnered um, with a lot of churches, and and, uh, Crossroads Baptist Church is one that has a men's ministry, and they're having an event this weekend, so tell us a little bit about it. Momentum. This is the third, I I guess the third time we're doing this conference, and I actually met uh, three churches last year which had no men's ministry that came to this event. This is a one-day men's conference. It starts at 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. It ends by 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Dr. Neelan Brown is going to have two great messages to start and to finish the day. Very motivational, very encouraging about our ownership in the process of Mm -hmm. living out our faith. Right. We're going to have a Chick-fil-A breakfast. We got a, a Smoky Dreams barbecue for lunch. And my part of that event uh, with five other guys, as well as yourself, Dr. Beam, is to lead breakout sessions. Right. These are where men that come to the event can learn takeaway tools on how to live out what they've learned that weekend, that day, and what they already believe. So there's going to be six breakouts, one on marriage, what your wife is not telling you, but what she'll tell her doctor. Uh, Dr. Robert Jackson. Personal finances. Yeah. Uh, Tony Allen will will be there. Yeah. I'll be there talking about how to revitalize your men's ministries. 
Um, uh, what, what, oh my gosh, they're miss, they're missing yeah, my mind right now. We'll, there's six think, of them. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll pull it up here in a second and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, there'll there'll be the five breakouts. I'm going to be talking about overcoming discouragement by building courage, and that's going to be from Nehemiah uh, because we see Nehemiah accomplishing that. Uh, and then helping the others who were rebuilding the wall to do the same thing. And there's specific things that had to be overcome that we have to overcome every day as well. And so I think this will be, hopefully, this will be helpful for the men that are attending. Uh, there's yep. also going to be a chainsaw artist. Now, this is the coolest thing. I mean, I, a, a guy who has all these different size chainsaws that's going to create a sculpture out of wood, and then you're going to give it away at the end of the conference. Isn't that right? Yes, there are two sculptures that will be made. One will be a gift to the local church, but the surprise is everybody who comes will be entered in a drawing to take home that sculpture that he makes. And I've seen his stuff. No, nothing will wake you up more than seeing a giant six-foot-tall wooden-carved uh, American Eagle with an American flag painted on it in the back of a pickup truck yeah. in, in the morning. He makes some pretty amazing stuff. He does, and so that's going to be a good thing. But now tell us a little bit more about the main speaker. Um, uh, there, a little bit about, can you tell me something about his background? Is he man in the mirror? He's been, I guess. Melan Brown is not man in the mirror. He was okay. he was with Focus on the Family for a long time, working with family council and things like that. Okay. He lives out in the Midwest. Um to say that, I've, I've, I've met him. He spoke last year. He encouraged my teenager to see what it was like to really live out his faith as a young man and take responsibility. Yeah, I think with focus on the family, he was involved in discipleship efforts and um, encouraging men and encouraging others to have a closer walk with Jesus. You know, I, one of the things that really um, strikes me today, Chris, when I, yes. think about, when, I, when I think about the world that we're in, um, strong men who are dedicated to the concepts of the Scripture that make them wise in the world are so needed in the culture. We have a culture that is, that is, is very divided and, very, and, and struggling on so many fronts morally um, and fiscally and in other ways. And the, the men who respond to the call of the gospel and become dedicated disciples— those men can really have a strong impact in that world, in that culture. That's correct. It's like one, once a person is sold out for something, and in this case it's being sold out for Christ, right. he wants to go tell everybody, yeah. and he wants to lead. In Scripture, and I've always been the one in many ways, when you have a, an issue with your child or someone else's child, you look and it says in Ephesians 6, 1, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We, we want to use that to get our own way. But I believe the child will only obey effectively when the adult parent is living out Ephesians chapter 5. That's right. It, it, I mean, it, the, the same scripture says that fathers should not provoke their children to wrath, which means that fathers need to be wise in the way that they deal with their children, not harshly, but in a way that reflects, quite frankly, the gospel. Yes. Um, and, and raising them up. Reggie's on the phone. He's uh, a part of uh, Impact the men pack ministry. I'm, I think at least I'm pretty sure he is from over at impact church. Reggie, go ahead. Uh, yes. I want to get a full endorsement for Chris. And we just finished up man in the mirror at uh, impact community church. And we're sending 22 people to, uh, 
to the conference this weekend. That's excellent. And I'm one of them, and I'm taking a friend. So looking so forward to it. Well, thanks, uh, Reggie. We appreciate that. You've been involved in men's ministry for a while, um, at particularly at Impact, and we appreciate that, and you appreciate the contributions you make to the show. So, again, the doors open and biscuits are served at uh, 8.30, a.m. Uh, that's when you can get there at 8. You can register. The breakfast starts at 8.30. And then from 9 to 3, all this is going to happen at Crossroads Baptist Church, 705 Anderson Ridge Road in Greer. Um, and J- James Brinley is the chainsaw artist. And then the breakout speakers include uh, Chris. You're doing revolutionizing your men's ministry, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. You're going to help others go back and do the same thing. And this is a lot of men are going to want to go to the Robert Jackson. What disgruntled wives tell their family physician? Wow. Um, I feel like I'm getting secrets, you know, by doing Jack. Hey, good. uh, Jake, excuse me. Hey, good. Is going to talk about the gospel applied to our struggles. Philip Allen, what the Bible says about money. And, um, oh, I'm going to mess up this name. J-I-K-U-G-E is going to talk about firearms and tactical awareness. There's going to be a putt-putt competition. uh, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. It's going to be a great day. Yeah, it's a great great activity day, great way to just see see what your faith looks like and how you can live it out on a day-to-day basis doing the things that you do on a regular basis. Regular daily arrangement, really, yeah. I and mean, how you can live it out—not just Sunday mornings, but how to take it home to the workplace, to your money, to your activities, to your recreation. So, Chris, there's some pe- people listening. They probably want to know more about Man in the Mirror and how they can get resources. Could you tell them about that? Sure. The, the easiest way to find out information about me or get a hold of me is at Chris Rondo at ManInTheMirror.org. That's C-H-R-I-S-R-O-N-D-E-A-U at maninthemirror.org. And we're here to help churches focus their efforts on reaching men to understand the truth of the gospel and how they can live it out in serving their church and how they can most of all live it out in their homes, leading their wives, leading their children, and bringing the gospel to the world. I've got a, a, one of our devotions I shared uh, this past weekend at a men's retreat, and this is just such a great quote yeah. because people talk about going to church and giving things up and sacrificing and just not getting their way in life. But here's a great quote from Pat Morley from that devotion. It says, the irony of surrender is that it ends in victory, mm-hmm. not defeat. Yeah, that's, when, that's true. When we surrender ourselves and give our lives over to Christ, he can guide us and give us victory in all areas of life and take that truth of what he can do for us into the world. And that's the reason we're doing momentum early in the year to build a steam for the rest of the year. But men, we believe that 90% of Christian men are going through the motions and they don't really understand their Ephesians 2.10 purpose. They were all created by God through Christ to do works that he has ordained for us to do. We want to help men to figure out what those works are because of their faith so they can live it out. Their actions may be parking cars. It may be leading radio shows for apologetics. Who knows what it is? But you can also be a Christian in the world, be an engineer, a bricklayer, an electrician. You are ordained to live in this world and take the gospel into it. And that's how we want to empower the men to do that. Martin Luther was one of the first to use the word vocation to describe either a minister or somebody working in the world and having a ministry Mm -hmm. in that. So that that was actually part of the Protestant um, 
Reformation. Thank you, Chris, for being here this morning. Very it's good. a pleasure to have you on. Enjoy the conversation. You know, as uh, I was talking to Chris, I was reminded about the conference this weekend, the pro-life conference that I went to, Stand for Life Leaders Conference. Uh, the worship leaders were uh, Shane and Shane. And, you know, Shane and Shane have been around for a long time, uh, but I've, I've never really followed their music all that much. I mean, it, it's not that I don't like them. It's not that I don't support what they're doing. I think they're doing great work and, and leading worship and praise. Um, it's, I, it's just some that I have not followed in the past, but I will be following them um, in the future because the music was incredible. And when I think about Pat Morley's quote that uh, Chris just gave us, <coughs> talking about the irony of how victory is won in the kingdom, that our victories begin with a surrender because of the victory that Christ has won. And that reminded me, we sang this song several times at the conference, um, and the title of it is You've Already Won. <coughs> I'm sorry. I thought I was done. Uh, went through a whole day last time without coughing, and now it's starting up again. Um, the chorus of that song is I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. So if you want to check out that whole song, I mean, it's just amazing. <clears throat> Shane and Change Music is based primarily on the Scripture. I mean, they're essentially it's Scripture being put to music. Uh, he, they, they were talking about that, uh, as that as part of the week went on. They said, you know, we're, we, he's, they made a joke about it. They said, we're not smart enough to write lyrics, so we just rely on the Bible. We just take what God has said and find a way to put it to music. And they've got a song about Psalm 46. Uh, they've got uh, a song where they've, they've turned the 23rd Psalm into a song. And so if you want to check out their music, I mean, it just has a lot of, it, it's very powerful uh, to use as a praise and worship setting. So once again, uh, before we move on, let me just promote this Man in the Mirror. Um, well, really, it's a Momentum is the name of the conference. Um, and uh, Chris Rondo is going to be there from Man in the Mirror. But it's going to be held again this Saturday, beginning at 8.30. That's when the breakfast is going to begin. And then from 9 to 3, it's lunch is included. It's going to be good barbecue for lunch um, at, um, at Crossroads Baptist Church. And that's located at 705 Anderson Ridge Road. That's Anderson Ridge, not Anderson Bridge. Anderson Ridge Road in Greer. Uh, Neilan Brown is going to be the keynote speaker. And his work at Focus on the Family was as executive director at the Focus on the Family Leadership Institute. And so uh, he's, he's a very inspirational speaker. The Eric Childers Band is going to be there to lead worship. And as we said, chainsaw artist James Brinley will be there and will be giving away one of his sculptures. The breakout leaders are myself, overcoming discouragement by leading with courage, Chris Rondo, revolutionizing your men's ministry, Robert Jackson, what disgruntled wives tell their family physician, uh, Jake Haygood, the gospel applied in our struggles, Philip Allen, what the Bible says about money, and then another 
session uh, that is going to be about firearms and tactical awareness. So hope you'll join us. Um, I wanted to take just a few minutes here and talk about the way the media, the way activists will jump on Christians when they simply make a statement that is in keeping with their faith or make a decision that's in keeping with their faith, and they try to intimidate them or browbeat them into backing off of that statement or backing off to what they believe, or they, they want to get them to conform. You know, when I when I think about this, I think about Romans um, chapter, um, I think it's chapter 12. I have to go back. I shouldn't have to do that, but I think it's where, the, where Paul talks about not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, you know, the media and activists who are pro-LGBTQ uh, or pro-abortion, they would, they would have you, rather than conforming to what the Bible says, they want you to conform to what the culture says. Um, here's Romans chapter 12, verse, this is what it says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that's it's, that's exactly what, in this case, Tony Dungy did. You know, he's an NBC commentator for the NFL. Uh, he was on the air this weekend, thankfully. Uh, NBC has chosen not to remove him from the air, even though a whole bunch of people were raising sand about the fact that he spoke at the National Pro-Life March. In fact, most um, critics and news media of course, described it as the anti-abortion march. See, they, this is the media controls the language. Um, and, and when we allow, as Christians, the media to get control, they get to define us based on what they think about us. So we're not pro-life, we're anti-abortion. And the other side is not pro-abortion, they're pro-choice. So it, at the, in the very beginning, the framing of the conversation puts people who believe that life is precious behind in the debate because of the way that the debate gets the debate gets framed in the public arena. So here here comes Tony Dungy, who was excellent, by the way, on Friday. He and his wife uh, both spoke at the event. He put out a, a tweet about it. On Thursday of this past week, he said, tomorrow, Lauren and I will be in Washington, D.C., attending the 2023 March for Life. It will be my first time at the march, and I'm looking forward to joining my friend Benjamin Watson and thousands of others who will be there to support those unborn babies who don't have a voice. That's a that's a, a theological belief. That's a, a, a belief that stems from his relationship with Jesus Christ. And, of course, the media pounced on him for even being there. Uh, his wife, Lauren, did a great job talking about all the children that they've adopted and given a home to. I mean, she went through the names. I'm thinking something like 10 children that they've got that they've raised a family, and then they made it their business to go out and adopt children and give them a better opportunity for life. 
What a great pro-life statement, as well as speaking about the need to protect children in the womb. You know, one of the criticisms that people who are pro-abortion, pro-death, pro-the killing of babies in the womb, one of the uh, criticisms is that, well, you pro-lifers, you don't care about life after it's born. Well, look at Tony Dungy and Lauren Dungy and make that statement because they're contributing to the welfare of these children by giving them a home and giving them an opportunity in life to be guided by parents who love them and meet their needs. And to demand that Tony Dungy be taken off the air for that is just absurd. Now, the other thing that Tony Dungy did that caused some controversy is a good lesson for us to learn about checking things out before we put it out as a tweet or we pass it along, whether it's information whether to, to determine whether it's true or not. Now, and what happened with this is that uh, Representative Sandra Feist put out a tweet that was calling for menstrual products to be put in all bathrooms. In other words, they want menstrual products to be in the men's room because there are men who identify as a woman. They, they want to see those in there. There's no possible reason for them to have them, but, but except to make them feel accepted. I mean, it's just, it's absurd. And yet Tony Dungy responded to that tweet by writing, that's nothing. Some school districts are putting litter boxes in the school bathrooms for the students who identify as cats. Very important to address every student's need. Now, that's not happening. There's nowhere that we know of that litter boxes are being put in student bathrooms. But, you know, in, in the culture that we live in, would that be hard to believe? You know, the things that we would have considered wholly absurd just a few years ago and would never deserve a second thought are things that we give a second thought to because of the insanity of it. We, we, we know that a lot of things that make absolutely no sense, just like calling for menstrual products to be in all bathrooms, that this kind of thing is happening in our culture, and it makes it difficult sometimes to discern what's true and what's not. But before, especially as Christians, before we put out statements, we need to know the truth about them. Now, I mean, it's happened to me before. I mean, I've read stories, and I've gone back and checked to try to make sure that when I talk about it, it's, that what I'm saying is absolutely true. And I've been mistaken about stories in the past. And when that's happened, I did what Tony Dungy did, did which was delete the tweet and then apologize. He said, look, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought that that was something that was real. He didn't apologize for the content of the tweet. He apologized for putting it out there without checking to see if it, was, if it was something that was true. So it's a good lesson for me. It's a reminder that when I sit here and crack this microphone, i got to be sure that the things I'm talking about are well-vetted um, and that I'm not just, you know, spreading cheese whiz into the wind. Christians have a higher call. We have a, a big responsibility when it comes to making sure that what we're the things that we say are speaking the truth. We need to first be sure that it's the truth, and then we share it in an atmosphere that is 
enveloped by love. I mean, that's that's how we're supposed to do it. So Tony Dungy, there's no reason for him to be attacked or removed from the air over this. And apparently NBC is moving right along and keeping Tony Dungy on the air. He's not going to be lose his job because he happens to be pro-life and he's willing to take a stand for life. I want to uh, add Ivan, Ivan Provorov. Uh, okay, I knew I was going to mess this up. Provorov, I believe is correct. P-R-O-V-O-R-O-V. And I, I'm telling you, I'm not a hockey fan. So I don't hear these names and uh, or see them a lot. But um, Ivan Provorov, uh, he decided the Philadelphia Flyers were going to have a gay pride night where they recognize anything that has to do with the LGBTQ plus. I mean, you have to add all this stuff down the line now. Um, You know, anything that has to do with that, they were going to celebrate it. And the way they're going to celebrate it is to wear rainbow jerseys on for uh, pride night. And he refused to do it. And this is the statement that he made. He said, I respect everybody's choices my choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. If you have any hockey questions, I'll be glad to answer those. So one of the one of the uh, news media members did a follow-up question where he said, what religion? And Provorov quietly replied, Russian Orthodox. Now, that was it. I mean, he, thankfully, uh, he was allowed to not have to be forced to participate and something that went against his religious beliefs, and yet he was soundly attacked by commentators who basically have decided that, you know, anytime somebody makes a religious statement, it becomes a test to see if they can berate that person into apologizing, which they did to Drew Brees, which just disgusted me or if they can force them into a place where they can find some kind of dirt they can dig up on them that makes them look like a hypocrite, or they can undermine because they can't believe that there are still people that haven't been berated into accepting this LGBTQ plus everything about it. And they're going to drive those people. They're going to do everything they can to drive them out of the public arena and to undermine the seriousness of their religious commitment. I mean, some of the stuff that was written about him, I mean, it was, here's a commentator on the NHL network. His name is E.G. Hradik, uh, went to television and, and said this when he was asked about it. He said, Ivan Provorov can get on a plane any day he wants and go back to a place where he feels more comfortable, take less money, and get on with his life that way, if it's that problematic for him. And he went on to say, if this is that much of a problem for him to, to assimilate into his group of teammates and into the community here in this country, that's okay. Go back where you feel more comfortable. I understand there's a conflict going on over there. Maybe get involved. So because he's a Christian, because he stands for something that the Bible teaches about sexuality. He deserves to be deported. He deserves to be told to go home and to volunteer and go fight in a war. 
I mean, I thought progressives were anti-war. I thought they didn't want to see any kind of war. But it's okay if that war gets fought by people they don't like and people they don't agree with. And the implication is maybe he can go back and get shot and killed. I mean, this is the kind of pressure that people that are born again, that are going to follow the gospel, are going to be subjected to in our culture. And folks, all I'm saying is we need to be prepared for it, and we need to be prepared to take the kind of stands. I'm not Russian Orthodox. I don't agree with much that is taught in the Russian Orthodox Church. But here's a guy who takes his faith seriously enough that he says, you know what, I respect everybody's choices, but I'm not going to be forced to support something that my religious beliefs tell me is wrong. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be forced to agree with it by putting on a jersey that doesn't represent who I am and what I believe. And he actually said, in respecting everybody's choices, here's his choice. Now, to me, this is the way that we need to respond to this. That's one of the reasons I wanted to highlight the story, because he responded in the right way. He didn't make a big deal about it. He didn't go into a tirade. He didn't really take this as an opportunity to preach. There would be other opportunities for him to express why he feels this way. But in this particular instance, he just said, look, this is not who I am. This violates my religious beliefs, so I'm not going to do it. I respect other people's choices, but this is me. That's the way we need to respond as Christians. Just simply say, we have deeply held religious beliefs. Those beliefs are grounded in Scripture. They may go against the mainstream, but the most important thing for us is to be faithful to the one who has saved us, to the one who created us, and not to a culture that's lost its ever-loving mind. And I, I, I think we can respond in a way that honors God and then simply move on and stick to our gun. I'm, I'm thankful that he is so far. Now, tomorrow, there may come out a story where he's apologizing for all this. I mean, I don't know. Um, that happens too often when the pressure gets turned up. And by the way, that's the purpose of the media and commentators and all these people turning up pressure on anybody that doesn't conform to what they think the standard ought to be. I heard the other day his jersey is the number one selling jersey in the NHL right yeah, now. Well, sure. And I mean he's not a and he's not a star player, no, is he? And he because just kind of, of a because of what happened, what right. he stood for, people want all to of a sudden him. his jersey is selling like crazy. Well, and look, that's a good thing because it to me it says that people respect his stand um, and hopefully even maybe some people that don't necessarily agree with it are are buying his jersey because he's a, a person who's willing to stand for his most cherished beliefs and our culture that should be celebrated um, but even if it wasn't selling even if you know we as believers, need to be prepared to give an answer. You know, the Bible says that we're supposed to be able to give an answer for the hope that is in us. And we should be able to do, as Paul instructed for us to do, to stand for those things that are true with the armor of God, not willing to compromise based on what the world says. But we're not, 
we're not casting aspersions or throwing out insults. We're simply saying, this is something that I believe deeply because the Scripture teaches me this is right, and we take the stand. And when people do that, they should be applauded. All right, a couple of more stories um, here that we need to get out. It looks like that uh, the mass shooting in California was carried out by someone named Hugh Cantron. That's H-U-U-C-A-N-T-R-A-N. He's 72 years old. He was found dead after allegedly killing 10 people and wounding 10 others in a Saturday night attack in Monterey Park, California. Now, what you need to understand about Monterey Park is that it is a heavily populated Asian community. In fact, um, they they were having a celebration of, of the Chinese New Year, the Year of the Rabbit, uh, and they were they've expected as many as a hundred thousand people would participate in this. I mean, this is a huge Asian community. Now, as soon as this shooting took place, prominent Democrats took to the airways and said, "This is a biased, bigoted shooting. This is it." And now we know it had nothing to do with that. We don't we don't know the motive yet behind the shooter but we do know that he was asian heritage and so the the fact that you know what they were hoping is that this was going to be a white person that they could villainize demonize and say that you know this is because of of right-wing hatred toward anybody of race and that's just not true but they we've even got to the point where people are not waiting for the truth to come out before they start distorting it. They just make up their own narrative before they have any of the facts. Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department says there's no other suspects um, and that the motive at this point is unclear. So we don't know why he did what he did. But he had a long gun. He, he took it into a dance hall and shot these people and then left and went to another dance hall where they were able to get the gun away from him. Apparently, he was, I don't know if he was using the same long gun. He had a um, semi-automatic handgun that had a large-capacity magazine, according to reports, that he went into the second place to use, and they were able to get it away from him. So he fled in a white van. The police caught up with him. They surrounded him. They tried to negotiate, and he killed himself. Um, somewhere in the process, um, he committed suicide. So it's a horrible thing that's taking place here. But again, guns, I mean, California has strict, very strict gun laws. It doesn't prevent this kind of thing. In fact, what it prevents is people having the ability, somebody, being in that situation that could have stopped him before he killed 10 people and wounded another 10. But no, you know, we've got to demonize the gun, not the person who carries out the crime. And that is just another example of that. And finally, there's this story coming out of Atlanta. Um, I don't know if some of the my fill-in hosts talked about this this past week, but Manuel... Escobar Piaz Tehran was, he's an activist, he's a 26-year-old activist who is all about the environment, 
Um, and he was camping out on the site of a $90 million safety training center for first responders and police officers when Georgia State Police tried to get him and several dozen others to, to move. And authorities say that he shot a police officer in the abdomen. Police returned fire and killed him. Now, the center that's under construction was, is going to be a training center that's going to have a driving course. It's going to have a mock village. It's primarily to train police officers. Now, this is very similar to the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center down in Georgia, where a friend of mine was the special agent in charge down there with ATF. He was over Fletzy, the training center there in, in Georgia for a while. And this is this is how they train officers to be able to, to do what they need to do to protect us. And the reason they're building this center is to improve morale among police officers and to prepare them for situations that they might have to deal with. So protesters took to the streets in Atlanta over the weekend and it turned violent when a group of about six uh, started throwing Molotov cocktails. They burned up a police car. They broke windows. And six people are in custody, and they've been charged with domestic terrorism. And so the mayor of Atlanta says, look, these were outsiders. These were not people from Atlanta that caused all this destruction. So we'll have some more to say about this, that, about this tomorrow because we're just— plain old out of time for the show today. God bless you. Have a great day. I'll see you in the morning at 7.